Hello everybody. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about light pollution and how it affects our environment and some effects it can have on you and me. I'm Kevin Tankersley and you're listening to The Environment Today. First off, I want to answer the question, what is light pollution? And according to the International Dark Sky Association, light pollution is the inappropriate or excessive use of artificial light. And this can have serious environmental consequences for humans, wildlife, and our climate. So the International Dark Sky Association has four main types of light pollution that exists out there. The first one is glare, which is excessive brightness that causes visual discomfort. This can be caused by lights or bright signs that are unnecessarily bright. And they can have damaging effects to our eyes and to other animals that we'll talk about later. The second type of light pollution is called sky glow, which is the brightening of the night sky over inhabited areas. And it is important for us to have lights on at night for things like safety and being able to see outside. However, sky glow is kind of an excessive brightening of the night sky. We don't really need to see into the sky at night. Normally, you just want to be able to see what's on the ground or what's around you. However, in a lot of inhabited areas, we are projecting light into the sky that we don't necessarily need. The third type of light pollution is called light trespass, which is where light is falling where it is not intended or needed. And in a lot of living areas, although we do need that light for safety and security and to be able to see things, we have a lot of light that often goes in areas that we don't need to be seeing in all the time. And finally, the fourth type of light pollution is clutter, which is bright, confusing, and excessive groupings of light sources. A lot of the times, we have more light than we need. And when the lights are all cluttered up and just projecting more light into the sky, it can just become a little excessive. And it is necessary for us to have lighting at night. However, most of the outdoor lighting that we use in our civilizations today is very inefficient, overly bright, poorly targeted, and, and sometimes even unnecessary. So a lot of the light that comes from light sources outside is actually going into the sky instead of being focused and directed on the actual objects that people want to see. And this is what is causing most of the problems caused by light pollution. And light pollution has been getting worse as we become more civilized and more industrialized but it's especially gotten worse over the last 25 years. According to a study done called the World Atlas of Artificial Night Sky Brightness, 80% of the world's population lives under sky glow. This means that when you go outside and look up at the stars, you're not seeing what you should be seeing or what is in the sky. And in the United States and Europe, 99% of the people living in those regions of the world can't experience a natural night. That is insane. And according to a study done by the University of Exeter, over the last 25 years, global light pollution has increased by 49%. However, that number could be higher because how they measure that sort of thing is they look at images of the Earth from satellites and see where there is light and where there isn't light. However, these satellites cannot pick up blue light, which is becoming one of the leading light sources in both light pollution and light that is harmful to the environments. But scientists 
think that if they included blue light in that estimate, that light pollution could have increased by up to 400% over the past 24 years in some regions. And that means that there is four times as much light as there was in an area before. This rate of up to 400% is faster than the 25 years previous. And the study found that the areas that are consistently increasing in light pollution, pollution are Asia, South America, Australia, and Africa. And in North America and Europe, the study found that light pollution was actually in a decline. However, this is not accounting for the blue-rich LED lights that are sort of masking the increase in light pollution that is happening in an area. So we're seeing trends of light pollution increasing across the globe in different ways. And contrary to popular belief, the study goes on to say, the installation of broad white LED streetlights, which can provide some energy savings because LED lights traditionally take up less energy than incandescent or other forms of lighting, they have increased light pollution. And this has had some pretty catastrophic effects that we'll get into in a little bit. Um, Ruskin Hartley, who is the executive director of the International Dark Sky Association, said in the study that over the past 25 years, the transition to solid-state LED lighting has been accompanied by rapid increases in light pollution globally. And without a concerted action to reverse this trend, the impact on the natural environment will accelerate, further exacerbating the biodiversity crisis, wasting energy and meaning a whole generation will grow up in perpetual twilight. And perpetual twilight essentially means that you don't get to see true darkness, which is very important for most species of animals, including humans. So now that we have a definition of what light pollution is and what causes it, I want to talk a bit about the environmental effects that light pollution can have. And artificial light has a big impact on the world's ecosystems. Both plants and animals are very dependent on the Earth's daily cycle of light and dark. It's how things have gone on since the beginning of time, and plants and animals have evolved to using this cycle of night and day for their benefit. The first example I want to go into is how artificial light affects nocturnal animals. Nocturnal animals are animals that are asleep during the day and are active at night, and having light in their nighttime is very disruptive. According to research scientist Christopher Kaiba, for nocturnal animals, the introduction of artificial light represents the, most, represents the most drastic change human beings have made to their environment. And this affects them in a couple of reasons. First, predators use light to hunt, and prey use darkness as cover. So at night, there's, when there's the interaction of predators and prey, the introduction of artificial light has kind of changed how they interact. So if there is more light at night, predators are going to have an easier time finding prey. And while this is good for the predators in the short term, in the long term it can actually be bad for them. Because if they're able to eat as much of the prey as they want, then there won't be any more prey in that region. And they won't be able to stay in the regions that they're living in and continue to live the ways that they've lived. They either have to adapt to eating other species that they haven't eaten yet, or moving to a different area where there's more of their traditional prey. And as we've talked about in earlier episodes, when an animal or a species moves from one region to another that it's not normally in, that has kind of a rippling effect 
into the ecosystem that it leaves and the ecosystem it goes into. So this disruption of the predator-prey cycle at night is bad for both parties. The next example that I want to talk about is one that everyone has likely heard, but I still want to talk about it. It's the effect of artificial lights at night and sea turtles. The way that sea turtles start their lives is pretty cool. As their name implies, sea turtles spend most of their time in the water in our seas and oceans. However, they are born on land, and females come to the beach every year to lay their eggs. And sea turtles have evolved so that when they're born, they go to the source of brightest light. And usually, or in the past, this light has been the moon over the water. So sea turtles, they'll hatch, they'll climb out of the sand, and the first thing they'll do is they'll head straight toward the moon. And this is perfect because they need to be in the water to survive. They don't do well outside of the water. However, due to excessive lighting on houses and beachfront properties, sea turtles often get confused and go to the wrong place. As we've talked about earlier in this episode, the lighting that we have is excessive and brighter than it needs to be and beachfront properties are some of the worst. And when a sea turtle hatches and it climbs out, it will see the brighter lights from hotels or condos and it'll start to head away from the ocean, which is bad because baby sea turtles cannot survive for very long outside of the water. And there are many predators such as birds or snakes that are looking for these baby sea turtles. So because of the excessive lighting that we have by our oceans, sea turtles' chances for survival are slim, even slimmer than they normally are. And this is important because every animal has its place in its environment and ecosystem. And if you take, for example, sea turtles out of the ocean, there are catastrophic effects that extend not to just the sea turtles that are already living there. One other way that sea turtles are affected by bright lights is that when sea turtles come on shore to lay their eggs, they try to find dark areas. And if they cannot go to areas that we previously go to because they're more lit up, they are more likely to go to areas that they would not normally go to to lay their eggs. And this can even lower their chances for survival. And I've gotten all my information about sea turtles from the Sea Turtle Conservancy, which is a really cool website where you can find resources on how to help sea turtles and just find more information about sea turtles in general. Next up, I want to talk about a, an effect of light pollution that isn't as t- much talked about as other effects, such as the effect on sea turtles. And this is the effect of light pollution on insects. And according to a study that was first published in the Biological Conservation Journal, artificial light at night has had one of the most devastating effects to insects, even more so than droughts and other effects of global warming. And this is kind of interesting because... The article reports that most disturbances to insects have kind of had natural analogs, or they've kind of happened before naturally. The climate has warmed before, and the climate has cooled before, and habitats have kind of changed, and scientists have been able to investigate and do research on the effects of our planet warming and cooling on insects. However, the planet has not undergone sort of a change in its day-night cycle in the time that scientists have been able to study. So insects have never really been exposed to having their nighttime cycle taken away. This is interesting to me, and it's kind of devastating for the insects because they have never, in their evolutionary history, 
had to deal with their nighttime being taken away. And a large majority of the insects are nocturnal. So they need that nighttime to survive. A lot of them are prey. As we talked about earlier, their predator and prey cycle has been thrown off balance because of the excessive nighttime light that we are putting out into the planet. But it's not just the predator and prey cycle that has affected the lives of insects. For reasons that scientists are still working to understand, about one-third of insects are attracted to stationary artificial light. I say attracted to, but it's kind of more of an obsession. We've all seen moths and other insects at night just circling around lights outside. And for whatever reason, they are unable to get out of the pool of the light. And most of these insects should be resting at night or saving their energy. And they will literally spend all night circling around these artificial light sources until they die of exhaustion. And lights might seem small to us. However, an insect's habitat is pretty small. And a bright light can completely cover their entire habitat. So there's no way for them to escape, really. And not only stationary lights, but also things like car headlights. Insects are very attracted to vehicle headlights, which you may notice if you're driving at night or at twilight in the summer, your vehicle just covered in cars that you've hit. And in the same study, it was estimated that there were 100 billion insect deaths per summer in Germany due to artificial lighting alone. And in Finland, there have been isolated populations of moths that have been completely wiped out because of this exhaustion that they face when they just circle around lights all night. And although insects are small, they have such a role in our ecosystems and habitats. They are pollinators, they are decomposers, they provide food for other animals, and they act as predators for other insects, feed on plants that we need them to feed on. They are so vitally important to our ecosystems and losing mass quantities of them due to something that we can solve such as artificial light pollution is devastating for our environments. The final example I wanna dive into on how artificial light pollution has devastating effects on our environment is how light pollution is a threat to migrating birds. As we know, lots of different species of birds migrate from one location to another. In the United States, they usually migrate based on the season. A lot of birds will migrate south for the winter and then come back up north for the summer. And according to the International Dark Sky Association, most songbirds, which make up a large population of the different species of birds that we have in the United States, migrate at night. And artificial man-made light can disrupt and disorient the birds during migration. Bright lights at night on large buildings attract birds in the same way that lights attract moths and other insects. And this can cause fatal collisions for birds. A recent study estimates that between 100 million and 1 billion birds are killed in the United States each year as a result of collisions with buildings. That is a ridiculous amount of birds. So what is happening is that Birds are being disoriented by lights at night, and for whatever reason, they're being attracted to these bright lights, and they are flying closer to them and hitting buildings that they might not know are there because they can't sense them due to the disorientation nature of the light. And in an article that was published in Science Daily, scientists reported that 
they found an increasing density of birds the closer you are to cities. And this goes out to about 125 miles. So scientists are finding that birds are migrating closer and closer to these light sources, which is interesting, and it could possibly have effects on the ecosystems because, as we talked about earlier, animals moving into an area that they wouldn't normally live in has kind of a ripple effect on that ecosystem. So this effect of artificial lighting at night is affecting migratory birds in a similar way that it is affecting insects and sea turtles. And there are plenty more animals out there that I haven't talked about that are also being affected by having artificial lighting at night. And this is going to cause disruptions to ecosystems around our cities and also further away from our cities. Artificial lighting doesn't just affect animals that are living out in the wild. It has pretty significant effects on you and me. According to the International Dark Sky Association, one of the big effects of artificial lighting outside is an effect on our circadian rhythm and melatonin. Like all the other animals that have sort of a natural cycle of what they're evolved to, humans do too. And we, most of us, adhere to our circadian rhythm, which is kind of like our biological clock telling us when we should be awake, when we should be asleep. And this pattern is normally governed by the day and night cycle. Artificial light at night can disrupt this cycle. And in response to our circadian rhythm, we are producing melatonin. And melatonin helps keep us healthy by boosting our immune system, inducing sleep, and lots of other functions. And nighttime exposure to artificial light suppresses melatonin production. So if we are getting more light at night than we need, we're not creating the melatonin that our bodies need, and that is throwing off what we can do. The one type of light that is especially harmful to us is blue light. And I'm sure all of us have heard a lot about blue light. But if you haven't, blue light is one of the most harmful types of light, and it's produced by LEDs that produce cooler or colder colors, such as blue, green, and purple, as opposed to warmer colors of red, yellow, and orange. And most of the LEDs that we use every day, including the LEDs that are in our computer screens, phone screens, and TV screens, produce this blue light. Also, most LEDs used for outdoor lighting create an abundance of blue light. And according to a study done by the Harvard Medical School, blue light can affect your sleep, so it'll affect your circadian rhythm, it can affect your melatonin production, it can damage your eyes, and it can potentially cause diseases if you're overexposed to it. So it's important to try and limit the amount of blue light that you're taking in. So the amount of light that we are putting out into the environment is bad, and also the amount of blue light that we're taking in is also bad. What are, so what are some of the things we can do to help prevent light pollution? And the International Dark Sky Association has listed out six different ways that we can help out. The first is by having LEDs and compact fluorescence. And I know we've talked about that LEDs can be bad, but warm colored LEDs do not have the same effects as colder colored LEDs. So if we're installing warm colored bulbs in our LED lighting fixtures, we're saving energy and also limiting the negative effects of LEDs. Another thing we can do is installing dimmers, motion sensors, and timers. And this helps to reduce the amount of illumination levels that we are putting out into the environment. And they also help save energy. 
The third thing they list is outdoor lighting fixtures that shield light sources help minimize glare and light trespass, which are two of the types of light pollution we talked about at the beginning of this episode. So if we have more efficient lighting sources and lighting sources that only illuminate what needs to be illuminated, that is going to really help with light pollution. The fourth thing that they list is similar to the first one, but switching to LED lighting allows for reduced illuminance without compromising visibility. So as we talked about, our lights are a lot brighter than they need to be. And if we have more efficient warm colored LEDs, we are able to still see what we need to see without having excessive brightness. The fifth thing that they mention is turning off unnecessary indoor lighting, uh, particularly in empty office buildings at night. As we talked about, as many as 100 million birds in the U.S. are killed every year because they fly into large buildings such as office buildings. And if we turn these lights off at night, it's going to really help lower the disorientation factor on birds, insects, and other animals, and also keep light pollution low. And the sixth and final thing that they suggest is avoiding blue lights at night. For the reasons that we talked about, blue lights are more harmful towards animals and also more harmful to us. So avoiding blue lights at night is going to not only help our environment, but also help keep you healthy. Those are some of the ways that we can help fight against light pollution. And as we've talked about in this episode, light pollution is a very large-scale problem that is affecting not just us, but the environments that we live in. So every little thing that we can do to help fight against light pollution is going to really go a long way in helping preserve our environment for the future. Thanks for listening to the episode today. If you enjoyed it, feel free to follow or subscribe on whichever platform you use to get your podcasts. And I'll see you next week.